I wanna say this for the next three days. All right, so there's never an excuse to leave chapel early. There's just not, there's not one. But especially over the next three days, I wanna encourage you to stay for the entire time to make sure you hear everything that is to be said. And if you have to leave for some reason, it's probably not a good one, but if you have to leave for some reason, sit at the back, don't distract, sneak out quietly, be inconspicuous, uh, because it's distracting. It distracts speakers, it distracts everybody in the audience, all heads turn and look. And so just, just a reminder for that. And I wanna start with this preface today. We address one of the most difficult passages in all of scripture for our modern culture today. And here's my fear. I fear there's somebody in the audience or maybe they just didn't come today because they're struggling with same-sex attraction and they're so used to being beat up on, so used to being made fun of, not accepted or ridiculed that they're gonna think today's that day. And friends, that's not Christian. We believe the Bible. It says so right there. We're for the word of God. Homosexuality is a sin. We cannot compromise. We cannot affirm something that the Bible doesn't affirm. But friends, the Bible also tells us to love our neighbor as ourself. And it tells us to bear one another's burdens. And we need to make sure we do that part just as well as we stand for the word of God. Now, there are some of you in here who are not gonna be happy no matter what I say. It's not harsh enough or it's not affirming enough or that's okay. What I want you to do is just listen to what the text says. And in this passage, it talks about homosexuality and everybody focuses on homosexuality. That's not the main point of the text. The main point of the text is that we as humans don't honor God like we're supposed to. And that's all of us. And so we can't treat same-sex attraction or homosexuality or acting upon those temptations as though that's the unpardonable sin. It's not. And the text today hits every last one of us if we listen with ears to hear what the Lord may be saying to us. So I wanna read the text. Before I read it, let me introduce it to you in this way. Let me give you the flow, because some of you may not have been here for the last one. The main passage, the main theme of Romans, you get in 16 and 17, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. So I, this comes from John Stott. He writes like in a back and forth. So pretend Paul's having a conversation. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why not, Paul? Because it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Well, how is it the power of God to salvation, Paul? Because in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed. That is God's way of justifying sinners. But why is it necessary for sinners to be justified, Paul? Because the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godless and the wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. But Paul, how have we suppressed the truth? Because what may be known about God is plain to them, to all of us. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities have been clearly seen. 
And that's where we go to. So today I wanna read the text. So if you're able, would you stand in honor of the reading of the text? Romans chapter one, beginning in verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so that they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. And they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. And they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever, amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For the women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men, committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, Okay, now right here's where every last one of us gets caught. If you can't find yourself in these next two verses, I'm afraid you're lying to yourself. All manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice, they are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, I'm gonna read that one more time. Disobedient to parents. Foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they knew God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only did them, but give approval to those who practice them. Oh God, your word lets us know that we are all unrighteous. There is none who is righteous, no, not one. There is none who seeks you. Lord, it is only by grace and the mercy of the cross that we can be reconciled to our creator. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us today to consider our unrighteousness in such a way that it helps us to give praise and glory and honor to you, the only one who is worthy, for your grace and your mercy in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And you may be seated. All right, here's your main idea if you're taking notes. 
The main idea is refusal to honor God results in dishonorable actions. So you see this in here. The refusal to honor God results in dishonorable actions. So verse 21, although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. Then verse 24, he gave them over to the dishonoring of their bodies. This is what happens when we don't honor God, when we don't pursue the natural reason we have been created, which is to give glory to God and then dwell with him and enjoy him forever, then we start having our own selfish sinfulness, our own attitudes that then spiral us down into deceit and despair and dishonor. And so that's what we're seeing in this text, friends, is there's a call for all of us to honor God. And when we don't, let's be clear, what Paul's doing is he's making his case is he's saying the gospel is the power of God to salvation. Well, why do I need it? Because we're really good at dishonoring God. We're really bad at honoring him. So the main idea of this text hits every last one of us in hard ways. Our two points today as we walk through this text, point number one is gonna be suppressing the truth. We're gonna see that in 18 through 23. It starts off right there in verse 18. And then our second point is gonna be spiraling towards dishonor in 24 through 32. Suppressing the truth and spiraling towards dishonor, we start with suppressing the truth. We begin in verse 18. For the wrath, now far, it starts with the word far. We pointed out last time, look in verse 16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God to salvation. Verse 17, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed. Verse 18, for, so we've, we've created a distinction here, but remember this is a letter that's being read. And just hearing the far again is gonna bring to mind what Paul has just said. Why do we need the gospel? Well, I'm gonna lay out the argument for you. Here's why you need the gospel, because you're all unrighteous. And he's gonna start rolling that out to us. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and the unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. All right, how do we suppress the truth? Anybody ever been in a swimming pool with a beach ball or a volleyball or some type of air inflated ball and you were bored and your purpose began to be to keep the ball under the water? How many of you are out there with me? You do all sorts of things. You lay on top of the ball, you fold your arms over the ball, you try to take the ball and stick the ball under your legs and you sit on the ball and eventually the ball pops out from the side, pops up and then you lay on the ball like you're just suppressing the ball into the water. But what does the ball eventually do when you stop suppressing it? It pops up, it comes to the top. For us to try to suppress the truth about God, is for us to try to keep a ball underwater that's full of air that you can't bust and that you can't stop. And all you're gonna do is eventually wear yourself out trying to suppress the truth because the truth is eventually gonna rise to the top. And here what it tells all of us is this is what we do. Pick your temptation. The temptation that you wrestle against the most that's the temptation that you're gonna to wanna to justify. 
That's the temptation that you're gonna wanna use logic and use all the wisdom that God has given you to try to undermine what God's word says so that you can suppress the truth to get away with whatever it is that you wanna get away with. And this is what the text is saying we do. This is what we do. We, by our unrighteousness, suppress the truth. And then look what it says in verse 19. It says it's plain to them. For what can be known about God is plain to them because he's shown it to them. So friends, we wrestle with a really hard theological issue about what about those who never hear the gospel? What about those who are in places not blessed like we are? They don't hear the gospel preached five days a week. They don't have a Bible minor. They didn't grow up with families that loved us and taught us about Jesus. They grow up in faraway places and they may never hear the truth about Jesus. The text tells you the answer to that question, the really hard question is that God has made it plain to everyone. This is natural revelation. This is general revelation. It is to everybody through creation. We know there's a God. It's been made plain. And all of us choose to suppress that truth because we want to be the master of our own domain, the captain of our own ship. We want to live life in a way that we can be true to our hearts, which the Bible tells us is deceitfully wicked who can know them, and suppress that truth. But the text tells us, friends, what can be known about God, not saving faith, but a knowledge of God is plain to them because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and his divine nature have been clearly perceived. Notice the contrast here. His invisible attributes have been clearly seen. His invisible attributes have been clearly perceived. We look around and we know it. We know what's happening here. If I'm walking through, oh, let's just make it the falls. I'm over at the falls and I've gone and I've seen the falls and I haven't jumped in because that's illegal and you should never do that. But I begin to walk the trail. And as I'm walking the trail, I veer off to one side or the other. And as I walk through that trail, I look down and I find a watch. It's a beautiful watch. It's a functional watch. What's my first thought? Man, isn't it incredible that this forest evolved this rock into a watch? <laughs> this must have been the work of the tree next to the, to the watch. You laugh because it's stupid to think that something that has irreducible complexities without which it's absolutely worthless, could evolve given enough years and enough time. How smart are we to try to figure out ways to get rid of God? We see it. We understand it. We know there are animals out there. There are things out there that absolutely defy evolution. And yet we create in our own minds things that will suppress the truth. There's no God, there's no creator, there's no judge. I can do whatever I want. I like that idea. Let me do whatever I want. Let me do whatever makes me feel good, whatever makes me happy, except it doesn't make you happy. It's the spiraling down towards dishonorable actions. Here's what he says. It's known to them. It's clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So here's your, here's your verdict here. So they are without excuse. All of us have suppressed the truth. All of us are without excuse. Verse 21, for although they knew God, 
Here's the real issue. They knew him, but they did not honor him or give thanks to him. They didn't even give thanks. Lord, thank you for the beautiful creation. Thank you for the gift of life. Thank you for the breath that I breathe. Thank you for all of the gifts that you've given us, the passions that you've given us. Thank you for the good things we enjoy in life, the friendships, the fun we can have at Pretty Wars. Thank you, Lord, for cookies and cream milkshakes at Chick-fil-A. I mean, some things are heavenly, right? And they're good. They didn't give thanks to him. You don't exist. You can create all this stuff. I don't owe you anything. And we spit in the face of our creator who deserves praise because we're sitting in the pool on the beach ball thinking we can hold it down forever. Suppressing the truth. We were without excuse for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking. So we think we're wise, right? Notice all the words that talk about thinking in this passage, intelligence. They knew him, but they didn't honor him. So they became futile in their thinking. Friends, sin will affect you. Sin will make you stupid. The more you sin and the more you are in bondage to sin, the more you're gonna rationalize and justify what really stupid means things that you're doing. You can be a really smart person and sin can make you really dumb. They didn't honor him, so they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. That's us. Friends, that's all of us. And be very careful. Don't sit here looking at this text and start judging others in your mind because chapter two's coming. And when chapter two shows up, chapter two's gonna smack all of us in the face with our judgmental attitudes and say, oh, you who have the law and judge others and yet you still break it. So let's not look down on anybody as though we're on some high horse and have our prideful arrogance that shows up and think we're better than other people. What this text is telling us and what it's gonna tell us in chapter two and in chapter three before we come to some good news is that we are all unrighteous. We all seek to suppress the truth. We all flee away from God. There is none that seeks him. No, not one. So be careful in our attitudes as we read this text because I don't wanna set you up poorly for chapter two. They're without excuse. And then we move to verse 22. So verse 22 here, we're gonna see the word exchanged. Now, if you write in your Bible or if you have a journal, I would circle that word exchanged because you're gonna also see it show up in verse 25, exchanged. And then you're gonna see it show up again in verse 26, exchanged. And there's three times that word exchanged shows up here. Now, I broke it apart in two separate points under my divisions just because that's the way it fell. But those three words, if you highlight your Bible, you should circle the word exchange and you should draw a line to them so that you notice three times in this argument that Paul's forming, the word exchange is listed here. And then three times in this, he also says, beginning in verse 24, God gave them up. So God gave them up in verse 24. In verse 26, God gave them up. And then in verse 28, God gave them up. So here's what happens. We dishonor God by not giving him the honor due. We exchange a truth of God for a lie. We exchange the honor of worshiping God who created us for worshiping little trinkets that we have made, some little idol. 
We exchange what God has given us as a good gift and we turn it into something that's bad. And when we do that, God says, okay, this is what you want. I'll give it to you. You may have seen that, that meme about the kid who sees the chocolate cocoa, the dark, rich chocolate cocoa or whatever, and gets a spoonful of it and thinks, this is chocolate, this is gonna be good. And you put the spoonful of that chocolate in your mouth and all of a sudden it's like, Ugh, this is not good. And it goes everywhere, but it doesn't all get out. There's a leftover residue that's stuck in our mouths and we're like, this is not good. Or you've seen this beautiful cake and this beautiful cake has been made and it looks so good and I love icing. Anybody out there with me that loves the icing? Now, I mean I love icing in such a way that I would rather have the icing than the cake. That's how much I love icing. Like, give me the cake batter and the brownie batter and the icing, and I'm good. I don't need anything coming out of the oven, right? Just give me the cookie dough. I don't need the cookies. Just give me the raw stuff that's probably gonna kill me one day. And give me the, give me the icing that's gonna give me diabetes one day. Like, that's, that's how depraved I am. Like, I like the bad stuff, and they'll give it to me. I want the, in fact... I, was it this past year for my birthday or was it a time before? She asked me what I wanted for my birthday. I said, I want icing. I don't want a cake. I just want the jar of icing from the store. And so she got me two jars of icing and with, with a spoon, I sat there watching TV, eating a jar of icing. And I was as happy as, oh, oh, it was awesome. Thank you, God, for the good gift of icing. Oh, my word. My blood pressure spiked. No, I'm just kidding. There's no telling what it did, whatever. Don't do that, that's bad. Our athletic training and health sciences area forced me to tell you that. Um, I have no clue where I was going. I love the, I love the icing. I, I love the cake batter. I love all of these type things. Here's what our text says to us. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. They exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Think about this. Nature designed us. God created us to worship him. We are fulfilled with human flourishing when we worship the one true God. And yet we create idols with our hands and then put them on shelves and bow down and pray to them. Does that make any sense at all? If I can make something out of wood or stone, or if I can go buy it with a few bucks and I put it on a shelf, can it really change anything about my life? And that's what we worship. You say, well, I don't worship idols. This doesn't affect me. Well, the problem is that we have idols like materialism, wealth, power, sex, pleasure, reputation, possessions. They may not be wooden idols that we bow down to, but they are idols in our mind that we give all of our time and all of our energy to. So we suppress the truth. We move to point number two, spiraling towards dishonor. So they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images, for worthless things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurities, to the dishonoring. So there's your word dishonor. That's where our main idea comes from. There's where spiraling towards dishonor comes from. Dishonorable actions of their bodies among themselves. So what is that? The lust of their hearts. So right here, you struggle with pornography. You struggle with premarital sex. You struggle with going too far. You struggle with adultery. These are the lust of the hearts. You struggle with hedonism. I just want to do things that bring me pleasure. 
to lust of the hearts, to impurities, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. Verse 25, here's your second time with exchange. They exchanged what? The truth about God for a lie. And they worshiped and served the creature. Oh, we're there. All of, all of the people in Hollywood, all of the actors and the actresses and the beauty and Instagram and the influencers and oh, we're there, people. We, we worship the creature rather than the creator. We look at all these people who we think their lives are beautiful and they've got it all together and we don't know that they're miserable at night when they go to bed because they don't have God. You wanna be like them? No, I don't wanna be like them. I wanna be in a place with people that love Jesus where we can worship Jesus, where I can be filled in my desire to serve the king. They traded it for a lie. They worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever, amen. Paul, even as he's writing here, says you're serving the creature, not the creator. Oh, he's blessed forever. He just can't stop without saying that, amen. Verse 26, for this reason, God gave them up. What does it mean when God gave them up? It's not just that he removed his hand and he let them go get what they wanted. It's, it's kind of like he said, this is what you want, here you go. There's some active activity in this that he gave it to them and he said, here you go. You wanna go this route? I'm gonna let you go this route. We do this as parents sometimes. You wanna go this route? We're gonna let you go this route to teach you a lesson. So God gave them up to this honorable passions. Here's where we go. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passions for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. In this text, it gives us two categories, men and women. It does not use the normal Greek word for men and women. It actually uses the word that would spark in the minds back to creation. The words that in the Septuagint, male and female, would have been utilized were the ones that were utilized here. And so what Paul was doing with the use of the word natural and the use of these Greek words is he is hearkening back to say creation is being pulled into this equation. There are two categories, male and female. God created us, male and female. You cannot change your gender. You are affected, male or female, at the chromosomal level. And when we suppress the truth and we don't learn to embrace who we are before a God who loves us and created us in his image and that's where we find our value and worth, then we are suppressing the truth that will never fulfill us and never lead to human flourishing. Joy and peace are found in honoring Christ, our creator, Men gave up natural relations. It doesn't say natural to them. It's a broad blanket category of natural. So here's what you'll hear from culture. These are the objections to this verse. This passage doesn't teach sexual ethics. It doesn't. The main idea is you don't honor God. But if not honoring God, if the reason Paul goes here is because he thinks this is the most non-natural thing to creation that I could point to as an illustration of twisting the creation of Almighty God and being against nature is this activity because this illustrates exactly what he's talking about of suppressing the truth and doing what we wanna do instead. That means it's not okay. Just because it's not the main idea of the text doesn't mean it's okay. 
And we're gonna talk about this more in the next two days. We have Christopher Yuan coming in tomorrow. We'll have a Q&A time and another session tomorrow night. And then Thursday, he'll talk more. This is a person who is same-sex attracted. So maybe you're sitting there and you're going, you don't understand because you're not, I'm not. I don't understand, but we have somebody coming in who holds to a traditional Christian sexual ethic who's walked through these waters to help you because I want every one of us to understand and to flourish and to honor God. Well, Paul here is only talking about grown men and boys. The text gives us no indication of that. It's just not there in the text. Well, it's only against heterosexuals who are acting like homosexuals. So it's not natural to them. So they're twisting it. But Paul uses broad words and doesn't use personal modifiers to say this is against your nature in fact, let me read what John Stott says about this. We have no liberty to interpret the noun nature as meaning my nature, or the adjective natural as meaning what seems natural to me. On the contrary, physis, natural, means God's created order. To act against nature means to violate the order which God has established, whereas to act according to nature means to behave in accordance with the intention of the creator. Well, Paul didn't know about relationships like we know about relationships. Yeah, he did. This is the Greek and the Roman culture. When you go back and study this and research it, they knew about it. They talked about it. They wrote about it. Friends, this is the hard truth that if we're going to stand on the word of God, acting out on homosexual temptations, acting out in a homosexual relationship is sin. There's a whole lot of other things in the Bible that are sin. And we encourage all of you to make war against your sin. Don't make peace with it. Don't give in to it. Lock arms with everybody else and let's pursue Christ together. That's what our goal is. That's what we're supposed to do. Psalm 81, 11 through 13 says this. My people did not listen to my voice. Israel would not submit to me. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own counsel Oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. The text continues on here. It doesn't stop. It says in verse 29, and since they did not see fit to acknowledge God. Okay, so since we didn't seem fit to honor God, since we didn't do what we were supposed to do, God gave them up to a debased mind. Harken back all those words about our thinking. Wise, foolish, debased mind. Sin affects the way we think. To do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness. This is all of us right here. Evil, covetousness. Anybody in the room ever not coveted something? Oh, I like that. I want that. It's new. I gotta have it. Oh, it looks good. Oh, that car. Oh, that house. Oh, we covet. Malice. They are full of envy. I can't believe he gets all this or she gets all this and I don't. Murder, oh, I've never murdered anybody. Ah, but the Lord draws to our attention that when we have anger in our heart that we've also sinned against him. We're there, strife, deceit. Ever deceive somebody? Maliciousness, gossips. Oh, nobody at Cedarville gossips, do they? Yeah, we shouldn't but we frequently use our words to tear down rather than to build up. Slanderers, 
haters of God, insolent, haughty, prideful. Anybody in the room prideful, struggle with that issue? Boastful, inventors of evil. We're so smart, we come up with new ways to sin against God. John Calvin called our hearts an idol factory. Disobedient to parents. Foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Okay, that's hard. It gets harder. For though they knew God righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but with a construction that seems to point out that this is even worse, they give approval to those who practice them. Quick application questions, then I wanna read one thing and then we'll be done. Are we suppressing God's revealed truth in our own lives? Is there an area of your life where you are suppressing God's revealed truth? Favorite temptation, not somebody else's, the one that actually tempts you. Are you justifying it? Are you embracing it? Are we honoring God with our lives? This is the real issue. Because if we keep pursuing to honor God with our lives, that's gonna take care of all this other stuff. God, I wanna honor you. I wanna love God and do as I please. But the more I love God, the more doing what pleases God is what pleases me. And so I'm pursuing a life that honors God. Do we give approval to those who practice sinful actions? Oh yeah, it's all over social media. That's hard. Because we know people and we like people and we love people. But what we're called to do is love them in a way that doesn't embrace things that are harmful for them. But that speaks truth in love by bearing one another's burdens. All right. I wanna read this to you. This comes out of the message. So time out. The message is not something we use for quiet times. It is a dynamic equivalent. It is not, it is not a translation. So that's not something I would say to you, bring the message every day in chapel. No, 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 no. But sometimes it's helpful. So, Here's what it says. But God's angry displeasure erupts as acts of human mistrust and wrongdoing and lying accumulate. As people try to put a shroud over truth. But the basic reality of God's plain enough. Open your eyes and there it is. By taking a long and thoughtful look at what God has created, people have always been able to see what their eyes as such can't see. Eternal power, for instance, and the mystery of the divine being. So nobody has a good excuse what happened was this. People knew God perfectly well, but they didn't treat him like God, refusing to worship him. They trivialized themselves into silliness and confusion so that there was neither sense nor direction left in their lives. They pretended to know it all, but were illiterate regarding life. They traded the glory of God, who holds all of the world in his hands, for cheap figurines you can buy at any roadside stand. So God said, in effect, if that's what you want, that's what you get. It wasn't long before they were living in a pig pen, smeared with filth, filthy inside and out. And all this because they traded the true God for a fake God and worshiped the gods they had made instead of the God who made them. The God we bless, the God who blesses us. Worse followed, refusing to know God, they soon didn't know how to be human either. 
Women didn't know how to be women. Men didn't know how to be men. Sexually confused, they abased and defiled one another, women with women, men with men, all lust, no love. And they paid for it. Oh, how they paid for it. Emptied of God and love, godless and loveless riches. Since they didn't bother to acknowledge God, God quit bothering them and let them run loose. And then all hell broke loose. Rampant evil. Grabbing and grasping, vicious backstabbing. They made life hell on earth with their envy, their wanton killing, their bickering, and their cheating. Look at them, mean-spirited, venomous, forked tongue, God-bashers, bullies, swaggerers, insufferable windbags. They keep inventing new ways of wrecking lives. They ditch their parents when they get in the way. Stupid, slimy, cruel, cold-blooded. And it's not as if they don't know better. They know perfectly well they're spitting in God's face and they don't care. Worse, they hand out prizes to those who do the worst things best. So your main idea of your text today, the refusal to honor God results in dishonorable actions. Friends, you are loved. That's why we deal with hard issues. That's why we wrestle with hard truths. Because we love you, we want you to flourish. Dear Lord, I pray if I've said anything that would be hurtful or that's not accurate according to your word that you just help our students to forget it and move on. But Lord, everything that is true and consistent with your word, may we all remember. And may you help us all to honor you this day and every day. In Jesus' name, amen. You are dismissed.